Hello and welcome to the Volunteer Firefighter Podcast, where we listen into a group of rural firefighters as they give their opinions on the challenges they face both on and off the fireground. We release a new episode every week, so please hit that subscribe button, leave us a rating, and share this with your fire family and friends. Now on to this week's episode, where as always, we ask the question, are you DTFF? Okay, so we're, we're all good. That's the noise room. Wayne's room. Okay. <clears throat> on today's episode, we are talking about how training has changed over the years. So, Scott, as our training officer and the driving force behind many of the changes, I'm going to start with you. How has or how was training dealt with when you first joined? Uh, when I first joined, we didn't do a lot of hands-on training, I'd say. As it is now. Like, now we have a training ground. Um, pretty much every practice we do a lot of hands-on and a lot of scenarios. Um, I think the first night I practiced, we went over the um, trucks. But the training officer at the time, and I think the training officer wasn't really used the way it should have been. Because the training officer that we had at the time when I started was uh, an older guy. And I think he just got given the job. Because literally the first night was, this is the SCBA. Not really sure how to use them. <laughs> yeah. It's <laughs> a good start. Uh, and, but these are the old SCBA that we don't use anymore, and I'll show you how to use those. And the <clears throat> other guy I started with at the time, we were both like, oh, well, this is weird. <laughs> um, and then the training was, you know, it was a lot of ladders and a lot of um, pumps. Um, and that was basically it ladders and pumps a lot but I think part of it was because it's those are fairly easy to do because you just you know a ladder practice can happen in two minutes you just start throwing some ladders and the pumps pump practice can happen again it's kind of a throw I don't want to say it's a throwaway practice pumps are important but it's a practice that can happen while you're practicing other skills so you could be practicing nozzles you could be practicing fire attack while you're doing pumps yeah, we do it now. We, we yeah. only do it now. Like, our guys are doing... When we were running the circuit outside, we were doing the, the multitude of kind of, you know, the, the man on the irons and then pull in and then the guy on the pump. We switched out and it worked just, just fine. Right. And I think I've tried to get away from a strict pump practice night unless everybody's there and we're, we have all the trucks going on pumps. And there's a specific reason why we're doing it. Um, but back when I started, it was, yeah, pump practice night. So we'd have like one truck out there and 10 guys standing around watching a guy pump. And like I said, pumping is important, but there's a lot of jobs on the fire ground. And I don't think we were covering all those jobs. And I felt fairly unprepared. Um, as I tell the story to the new guys, a lot of times, my first fire, we were driving to a call. I didn't know how to put, I didn't know how to put the SCBA on. Was, <laughs> I had a guy telling me how to put the SCBA on while we were driving. And I, and I always thought when I was became training officer that it's never going to happen again. We're not doing that because it just felt bad. And it, and it obviously wasn't the best. And it might have not been the way it's always been, but that was the way I came into the fold. So I wasn't too keen on that type of training. I'm always big on hands-on. Yeah. Yeah, I must admit, since well, I think when I my very first training session, that was exactly what we did, actually. it was It was all about the SCBA. Uh, it wasn't even about learning the trucks. It was just, this is how you get your gear on. Like, being 
I think our most important tool next to water of keep safe is our SCBA, right? Especially when it comes to structure fires and the amount of garbage that burns up inside of them, all the plastics and everything else. We all know this, again, it's that first thing that you flop on before you hop out and um, then it's kind of to the water. So yeah, that was the first thing that I did actually. What what did you, Kelsey, what did you first do on your first training? <coughs> Yeah, that'd have been. I think went over gear actually, which was which was a, was a good idea. Went over the gear carry. Yeah, yeah. They, I remember the first time I got my gear back. Actually, trying to fit all the the buttons back. I had to get Kev to kind of. I, I think I put it on, and then Kev helped me into the bottom pieces just so we can clip in the buttons. And with with the training, how it is now, and the way we're doing. It. So Ash, you're you're part of the the training department now with mm. with Scott Scott being leading, and and then got a few more guys on as well. How I guess since you've joined, how have you seen it change? And like, yeah, how have, you, how have you seen it change since you've been on? I think the biggest thing when I first came on, one of my first practices was a a really big scenario down in our training grounds, which we've spoke about. We've got uh, a burn building down there. Uh, it was a live live burn night. Um, we arrived on scene. Um, I was back up to the nozzle in the first, like the first practice I've ever been on the fire grounds. I walked three <laughs> steps inside and it was going to be a rip practice. So the nozzleman collapsed and we started to learn what we're supposed to do. Now there was some SCBA, um, training a little bit prior to that. Uh, I don't think even at that, at this point, it was the same as what the people are getting now. Um, but I mean, it was definitely better than like when Scott first came on when there was nothing. Um, it was, uh, you know, I, I was shown prior to getting on the truck, um, once we got over there and then now we're into this full blown firefighter down, uh, which was pretty, pretty entertaining. Um, I'm looking at a guy and I'm like, ah, oh, that doesn't look good. It's like, well, what do you do? call for help i don't I, I don't know right he's like all right we'll do it so kind of thrown thrown in it right and um it was super interesting um it was uh could have been a, a make or break like oh man this is crazy i'm out but instead it was this is crazy i'm in um and what i think of the big thing that we're trying to do differently now is breaking up our training nights a bit so instead of having uh what a lot of times before um we'd have 20 members down at the training grounds waiting to run through one cycle where now we're you know two three scenarios or two or three tactics that we train and we're breaking the members up into smaller groups so it's a lot more one-on-one -on -one. i really and i know a lot of the guys actually really like it that way um getting that kind of small group mentality mm -hmm. and you're not having one guy trying to shout over a bunch of people because we all know how it is when you're trying to deal with that many people people are talking and everything else i do find it with the smaller groups everyone has been a little bit more focused mm -hmm. but also we're getting more out of it because again it gets to that point where when you've got so many people and you're standing around waiting for your turn to run the run the hose through the building do you know what yeah. i mean or whatever we're doing having those smaller groups allows you to do it not just once or twice, but it allows you to get a few, get through a, a few rotations mm -hmm. and ask questions. Do you know what I mean? Which is another yeah. big thing that I think those smaller groups really, really bring. And we've been doing that now for a few months now, I think. Yeah. I think we've started doing that spring. Yeah. At the start of the year. Yeah. yeah we, we had discussions and it, it, a lot of it uh, came about because of the, the new style of rookie training we're doing. Right. And, so, uh, 
maybe explain that a little bit. Yeah, because in the old in the old days, and I understand the reason why there was some because there was some push pushback when we went to the new style of training. Because uh, the old days used to be new guy started, he started whenever. Like he would start, you know, you you, you do your interview, you pass your checks, and you start whenever. So one guy would start, and he'd suddenly be on the department, and he'd go to whatever practice. And that's one reason why Ash man does. Man down, man down. And Ash, gets, yeah. Ash got thrown into a into a crazy scenario the first night because I was actually didn't even know as a training officer when you guys would start. They were just like, "Oh, new guy starting tonight." I'm like, "Oh, well, okay," because I wasn't planning on it. Didn't so we're scrambling trying to find his gear, all this kind of stuff. Um, and that's how we did it for. And I know when I brought up this new style, which I'll explain in a minute. It was a it was, it was a pushback from the older members, and the reason why we did it that way is because a lot of this job is because we're trying to. It's not so much the skills and stuff; it's more building the team. And if you're at every practice, um, a lot of its guys are evaluating. Everybody's evaluating you. So like everybody that night was evaluating Ash to see how he would react. You know whether they knew it or not. They're all everybody's watching him, and to see oh this guy pulled through, he didn't freak out. Twenty five guys watching one. Yep. Right. Yeah, on your first night. Yeah. Which is definitely an old school mentality. It's yeah. like, and I, I felt we could do better, and probably then there is better ways. So, what I wanted to do, especially now with some new training that we have to do, um, I wanted to develop more of a, a set. Like we, we do a recruit training. So now what we do is we hire you know, four or five recruits, and then we have two times a year when they come on. So one time in the fall, one time in the spring. And we start right from the beginning. So it's we start from, they learn how to put their SCBA on and their uh, PPE, just like Kelsey was saying. Mm. And then I try to layer it. So I layer, like we go, we do the SCBA PPE one night, and then the next night um, the guys learn how to hit a hydrant. And during that hydrant hit, they also have to put their PPE and SCBA on while the truck's driving over the hall to the hydrant. So then maybe they have two or three minutes. And the next night after that, now we're going to go do some nozzle work. So now it's put your PPE on and your SCBA. We get to the hydrant. you got to hit the hydrant from what we taught you last week. And then now we're going to teach you nozzles. And we build from there. So eventually, after five or six practices, we're now going to live burn. And they're going down. They have the skills because they've done you know several hours of SCBA work and nozzle work and stuff. And then they have the skills to actually... And, you know, and we're not tack- we're not throwing a huge center at them. We're we're easing them into that live burn, basically sitting there and watch it burn a cold start. <clears throat> so, right. So, Kerry, I'm gonna I'm gonna hop over to you on this because you know Scott, I'm gonna cu- I'm gonna come at you to Rob kind of last on this because Rob's been on for the longest. So when you joined Kerry, mm-hmm. where where was the training for you? Like what situation? Because did you join before or after Scott? I was, bef- I was before Ash and after Scott. Were so, you was Scott training officer then or? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. So um, how was it when you you first you first joined? Because you came from another department as well, right? Yeah. So from somewhere else, you so you joined. Myself and uh, another man started at the same time, and he didn't speak English very well, and we were in the back of the car. Or back at the truck, and uh, he didn't know how to put his SCBA on, and I was really fortunate that I knew how to do it because of previous training. So I was actually training him how to put his SCBA on, and then we did a a car fire. They wanted to us to put out a car fire, and you actually Scott weren't there. I remember uh, a different officer was there. 
Um, so maybe you were elsewhere at that time. Was so. it actually a car fire? Like, was it an actual call or? No, no, no it was a training okay. car fire. Right. Like we lit it. Yeah. So they just wanted to watch us put it out, I guess. Um, but I remember feeling sorry for this this one guy who can speak English very well and had no idea what was going on. <laughs> so uh, that was when I started. So from then to like four years later, four and a half years later, it's very different, which is like for the positive, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think, sorry, um, you had a good perspective from your old hall to their ours. Yeah. Yeah, there, so my old hall had a really good system. Um, um, they're like a more of a paid department though, like so they had to follow certain checks. Um, so, but the way they did it, they trained to NFPA standards. So, like, I know you're rolling your eyes over there, but, <laughs> but by the way, that, we do train to NFPA standards, yes. but we try and adapt that to fit the things and the ways that we do things. Yeah, and there's pros and cons. If you're listening, like, there's you pros and cons to both. <laughs> there is. So, like, for me, I found, like, like I always say, I would rather have a house fire in this town that doesn't train to the quote unquote NFPA standards. By the book. Yeah, that because yeah. we train to our surrounding and what's important to our town and we're very hands on. Um, the department I was trained at was to these standards that a lot of them were just completely not applicable to where we were at. Um, so it was a lot of wasted time and it was also a lot less hands on. So do, do you have an example of one of those? Like just just off the top of your head, like is there something that you used to train? there that was completely useless well we would have to know about like um every type of hydrant the name of hydrants like um despite the fact that all of ours were for cold they were dry barrel hydrants but we had to know about every hydrant or we had to know like the exact um pressure per 10 right. feet of rise which is very handy information um but for for someone who doesn't even know how to put SCBA on, you don't need that information yet. So, so you would spend like over half your time in in a sit down, very safety orientated setting, which there's major major pros to that. Um, but I found coming here, uh, the hands on training, uh, even despite maybe the maybe not a ton of training right at the beginning. Overall, I think. I don't know. From from when I've been here, it's been good. Yeah. So, yeah. Rob, we're going to come over to you now because you've been on the department for 14 years. Just about. Yeah, just about 14 years coming up. So, (laughs) (laughs) you've been on for a while. You've been on for a while. So you've you've seen, and that was before Scott joined as well. So you've seen and went through uh, the training process, or by the size of it, maybe a, a, a not fully not fully training standards of what was there it was just kind of a a go a whim but how so how was it when you first joined how do you feel it was then and how what do you think the biggest changes that that has been made now to help with new people well when i joined um you know you go to a practice night and you're kind of thrown into a big group and you've got 15 20 guys however many guys are there that night either working on one thing or another but there's a big group of guys and so um you know going through whatever training session we might have been going through you might not get a chance to actually 
do any hands-on stuff or whatever might have been going on that night. So you might just be standing there observing, which we've seen a lot of in the past too. And that versus what we're doing now, you're getting a lot, we're getting a lot smaller groups where we've got more trainers. We're able to break into small groups, three groups, get, you know, four or five guys in a group, six guys in a group and actually get everybody, make sure everybody puts their hands on the tools, puts their hands on the steering wheel, drives a truck. They do everything. And you're making sure that they're no truck driver. No truck driver, Scott. <laughs> but you're we're making sure that they're they're getting hands on, that they're actually doing the skill and learning it versus seeing some guys doing it and say, okay, everybody did it, um, and not everybody doing it, and then putting them into a situation where they have to do that skill, they don't know what they're doing, and you're putting somebody in danger or you're putting a partner um, in danger and. And yeah, so for what we're doing now versus what we were doing, is is huge. Yeah. I think those I think those changes. And again, you know, we're saying these things, and some people listening might be thinking, "Well, holy, what did they used to do? You know, like were they prepared for anything?" But I think a lot of departments went through this exact change when everyone realized that all these things are super important. Everybody needs to know. You don't just hop on a truck and expect to be, you know, just dragged around because maybe back then there wasn't enough information, right? And the information is one of those things now that we've got tons of, especially with the internet, especially with things like YouTube. Um, Scott, I'll throw that to you, actually. Like, Well, and that's what I was going to bring up. Um, you can't blame the old guys from the old days because they had literally whatever manual someone would give them. So there's a manual or there was uh, experience. So that's all they, they could train on. Yeah. Whereas now... I could literally have all the experience of the NYFD at my fingertips by typing in NYFD fire attack on YouTube. Is that the best way to train? It's debatable. I mean, like I said, I think I said this a couple podcasts ago. Mm. When I come up, when I look into a new tactic, it's it's based on. I don't just be like, oh, I'll watch a YouTube clip. Yeah. No, I, I'll I'll see something interesting. Say maybe you're on Facebook. I'll see it pop up. Some one of you guys maybe send it to me. You know, you guys will send me like, hey, look at this. So I'll look at it and be like, oh. So then I start doing research on it through YouTube, through Google. Um, maybe pull up the some of the old fire manuals. See, like one of the the cantilever rescue. I think that's what it's actually called. Um, the one with the basket stretcher. Wait, wait. It was a. You know, I I saw it on one YouTube clip once. And I was like, that's interesting. So uh, I looked at it, and then I found it in an old fire manual. Like, like it was like a drawing <laughs> of how it's done. And so we started training it, and it's it's for for a specific reason. Like someone has a problem on a top of a building, or you know maybe you have to get something down, and you don't have a ladder truck. It's basically it's really good for a small department to know that one because you can get people down. So we started training it. We trained it for you know six or seven years now. And then uh, last year, I remember it was posted again on the FDIC site, which is FDIC's like the big fire seminar that they do down in, the, down in the States. And it was posted, and it was almost posted as this is a new tactic. Oh. And I remember one of the other guys from another department, he commented and said, hey, check this out. It's a new tactic, but it's, he knew very well. It wasn't like he knew we'd been doing it for quite a while because he used to be on our department. Right. And uh, so there was... There's that. It's like it gets recycled, but it's not. Like, I'm not just pulling it out like out of YouTube. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and we're just doing it. But at the same time, we're also not following the manual. Like 
directly, like uh-huh. Carrie was saying. Because yeah. if we if we get stuck following that manual all the time, then there is literally there's stuff like how much do you need to know about hydrants? Yeah. Um, you know, we do go through all that stuff with the new guys, especially now. We go through the hydrants, but fairly quickly we go through the hydrants like wet versus dry, um, barrels, all that kind of stuff, hydro pressures. We go through that quickly because we don't need to concentrate on a, on a dry, or sorry, on a wet hydrant because we're not in a warm climate right. all the time. So we worry about what hydrants we have. Yeah. Um, and is that NFPA standard? No, they want us to basically, you know, take quite some time to cover all those hydrants. Is it necessary? No. I don't, well, I don't think it is. Well, then the, the necessity comes yeah. is, are they going to install one, right? Like, is yeah. one going to be put in? No. Like, what have we got? Well, this is what we use, so this, this is what we train for. Yeah. And I think that's one of the, the things that we do across the board, by the sounds of it, right? Like, there's a lot of instances where we don't need to know a lot of the stuff necessarily, just because of our town. Not that the knowledge isn't good knowledge, it's just it doesn't apply to what we do where we are being a rural community. It just doesn't work. But and I think it's throughout the whole fire service, not just with us. And, yeah. Because um, one of the, there's a different fire guys I watch. Um, one of the main guys I really like is uh, Aaron Fields. He's a Seattle firefighter. He's the one that does the nozzle forward stuff, and a lot of stuff that's what we're using now, like the different fire attacks we use. But I remember him saying something like, you know, when he first started in the fire academy, it seemed to him like this was the ropes and knots department. Because literally, I believe the first three chapters, like the first chapters on, I think, building instruction, fire behavior, I think ropes and knots is in there. And I think it's about, like, near the end of the actual fire manual where you actually learn how to put water on a fire. And he he felt, well, that's ridiculous. He's like, we are <laughs> firefighters. The nozzle should be first. Yeah. And stuff like that. So those manuals are, they're pretty ingrained. Like it's hard to change those things because, you know, and I get it, it's a lot of money to change them. And there's a lot of people that have time and money invested. Like if you look at the back of a fire manual of all these different people that yeah. have contributed to these things, yeah. it's not easy to change. It's like a train going out of track. You can't just <laughs> so they well, slow we were, it down. We were talking about this for Spence the other day and he was saying literally like, I've got, I've got like two decades or three decades worth of books and the pictures are the same pictures from the very first book all the way to the one that I got two years ago. You know, like it's not a lot has changed. It's one of those types of things that doesn't necessarily get updated very often. And new guys that are more tech savvy now are looking into the things the way that our guys do, our trainer officers do. They look into things, they figure out the best way to do it. What's being done, what works, what aspects don't we like? And let's just, again, the last thing, band that up into a ball and see what pops out. Yeah. Uh, I just, in defense of um, like the NFPA standards, because I know we had some IRLs. Yeah, the plus of it is that it gives a framework. So, you know, like back in the, like when, I don't know, 20, 30 years ago when they were training, had they had an NFPA framework, they actually would probably be training more than ladders and and I know they did more training. But uh, I think yeah. yeah. But so that's all. So there is some pluses to it. Even like the redundancy of some of like learning every single way to lay a hose in a truck bed. Regardless, you know, that, that was a, a really boring month in my life. <laughs> but it, it provided... It's a whole month on that? It was a long time. Yeah. But it provided, it provided like a framework. So... Um, so if people don't have access or don't even know where to look, there is a, the bonus of that. And we also have the playbook in BC, which yeah. also provides a, a even more basic um, framework, which is good for 
say of these some departments that aren't as uh, savvy as maybe Scott is, because Scott's kind of really into it and he's a go-getter in that way. But a lot of departments don't have that person, so if they have that framework, it, even the redundancy of some of the things you have to learn are better than not learning it. Uh, I was in regards to the NFPA, like we we don't follow it word for word. I'm always cognizant of it. Like, I always look at it and be like, okay, does this cover our job performances? That's what we have to make sure we're covering. And we do. Um, do I need, do you guys need to know how many knots is there? Ten different knots, I think. I believe there's ten knots that, that as a firefighter, we're supposed to know. Or are you going to forget those knots? Like, am I going to sign off on you after six months? You know, are you going to train for six weeks? You're going to learn ten knots. And then... Four months down the road, when you need one of those knots, you're going to forget them all. Or do we show you a knot that we use all the time, and we drill it into your head until you can do it almost blindfolded? And that's, I think, my line of my thoughts is not like I understand the framework, and I'm going to go back because I always I, I know I always mention the Jocko podcast. <laughs> you should. <laughs> I should, because it's you awesome. It's and awesome. I, and like, I think I posted the other day on my Facebook um, that I was listening, because I'm re-listening to all three. his podcasts. I listened to it again today, yeah. episode three. Because after you posted it, I was like, oh, yeah, no, I, I listened to it. No, I'm going to re-listen. And I did, and it was, you're right. And I can exactly. hear, I can hear you. I can hear him, and then I can hear you being him. It was, yeah. So, so episode three, <laughs> it's totally I didn't even know where I picked up all the stuff. Because yeah. he's been doing it for three or four years now. Yeah. And, yeah. But I didn't really have a good way to explain it or a good way to guide it. And I guess when I listen to Jocko podcast number three, <laughs> and for those of you guys that don't know what Jocko podcast is, Jocko is a Navy SEAL, used to be a commander and he commanded a task force in Ramadi during the, during the war in Iraq. And he does leadership stuff and he, and he's really good. Yeah. Him um, and Lathan. Yeah. Echo. Yeah. But this number three was all about how you can follow a manual, but you also have to, be able to think on your own because if you follow the manual too strictly you get stuck but if you can go off and think a little bit um you can kind of like because because especially in the fire service or in war everything's not like black and white if this happens then you do this because we know none of that ever happens right so that's why um, he was bringing that up and then he started talking about decentralized command which i preach all the time yeah and I, I know in the fire service as soon as they start talking about decentralized command guys start thinking um freelancing yeah. And it's not freelancing. It's not one guy going rogue. I think he even says that in that podcast. Yeah. It's not a guy going rogue, too. going off and doing his own thing. It's people that we try to give you enough experience. So all you guys can now make a judgment call. And maybe you can question an officer. It's, I know when I get it back in the day, or you know, because the fire service is built on a military type discipline. Mm-hmm. And... I think I said this the other time too. Mm. It's not guys think it's military like old military. Like everybody charges that you charge a machine gun. That's military. Like don't question that. Just go, and everyone gets mowed down, and, and they just keep throwing people at it, right? Whereas I think, yeah, we're we're like the military. We're like the special forces, where each guy is trained to a very high level, and each guy can think on his own. Um, and I say guy, I mean guy and girl. <laughs> um, everybody can think on their own. I'm so yeah, you're so <laughs> But everybody gets to think on their own, but you're still working to a common goal and you're still following the commander's intent, in our case, the chief's intent of go ventilate that house. Well, we all know how to do it. 
we don't need an officer pulling us there and being like, okay, now you break the window. Now you turn the fan on, or now you go on the roof, whatever your tactics are for ventilation. Um, no, we know how to do it. Literally, the chief should be able to say to us, go vent that house. And we know what we're doing. And we don't have to be like, well, NFPA 1001, yeah. or whatever, such and such, such and such section of, says we have to do it this way. Yeah. Well, no, because it's a different frame of house. It's a different style of house. It's different fires. You know, that's where my mindset is for this training. Like I completely agree. I think as we've as we've gone through, and I've been on scenes like initially, there was a lot of there was a lot more kind of force control of this is how we're going to attack it. And as things as the scene changes, because everything on the fire ground is completely adapting to its own breadth. As much as we try and control certain fires, there's ways that we're trying to do those things. But really, it's it's an untamed beast until you've got it in the cage and it's out, right? And even there, it re reignites. But other than that trying to do those things when when you've got that many people on the ground you need to make sure because if you're half around the other side of a house and it's taking you some time to get there and it, you can't get the chief back right you're trying to shout back scba fires blazing engines going pumps are going you can't hear each other radios fail all the time. radios <laughs> fail all the time right or you don't have enough in some departments right they're, they're yeah. in some departments you don't have that that kind of neat communication between between two people let alone you know 25 guys or girls on the on the fire ground it's a pain so yeah it, it's it's really important that whether one of you or two of you can just turn and say you know what this isn't working we need to change this up we need to get on and maybe try going at it from this angle and then relay that back to whoever is communicating for your truck um, or, or whoever needs to know for you to be able to do whatever you need to do safely Ash you got something to put on that uh, no, I think Scott kind of hit everything that I was uh, going to ramp up. He, the um, NFPA standards and how, you know, we, we do follow, we do touch base. If you look at any section or whatever, if it's ropes or whatever, we say there's just 10 knots that you have to know. We'll talk about the 10 knots, but the retention of what you get out of any training is just not 100%. You're hoping for 40 Realistically, thirty or 40%. less. Yeah, you're hoping it's genius level. Yeah, you're not going to get that sort of attention. Absolutely. So, here's your ten knots. Here's the five that you might use, and now we're going to hammer three, right? So you, oh, I know there's more, but I don't remember those ones. But you know what? I know these three because we hit those three. You know, how many different ways can you lay hose? Yeah, there's there's multiple. But how many do we use? Yeah. Okay, so let's hammer what we use. What's relevant to our area? Are we going to waste, and it's not a waste, I, I hate saying that as well, but are we going to devote, there's only so many days to train um, in a volunteer department. We're not a paid department. We're, we're not live-ins. We're not here every day. We have three-ish Thursdays um, a month yeah. for us to train over the course of the year, get rid of holidays and blah, blah, blah. You got to hit a lot of topics throughout the year, so to throw away all these trainings on just talking about pumps, just talking about the different kind of hydrants, or just talking about, you know, these are the different hose lays and the different, you know, we we work more of what's important to us. We'll touch base on it, but if you're only getting that lesser attention, it's super important to hammer on the stuff that is beneficial to us in our environment, in our hall, in our town. Absolutely. And, 
Go ahead, Rob. I was going to say, I mean, what seems to be working for us, especially since we have six or seven trainers training under Scott helping with the training is that we can break into those small groups mm -hmm. Absolutely. that we can take, like we talk about pumps and hydrants and practices like that, where we can throw a hydrant search and throw a pump operator into that mix and throw a, a nozzle off the truck where we can combine a couple of different things mm -hmm. into a, into a, into one night okay. and having three groups. Now everybody's cycled through all of those. And so we get more training in a night or in a month that we weren't seeing before. Right. So everybody's learning a lot more than we ever have. Mm -hmm. Oh, I was going to ask how many, uh, how many knots did you learn? Do you uh, remember? I don't know for sure. And do you remember every one of those knots though? Um, well, they went through, probably not all of them. No. <laughs> 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 um, uh, no, I don't, I probably don't know all of them right. now, but like, and how much time, and, and uh, I'm not saying I actually had to do it on our own time. We actually did have to do that on our own time, which I think would probably be good because you actually do need to go home or take your own time and figure it out. Because yeah. once you've shown someone how to do, let's say, a figure eight on a bite, uh, then, like, they go on to the next one, and then you're like, okay, go back and do a figure eight on a bite. And they're like, oh, what, what? So they need to go home, figure it out, and, like, they actually need to put your own time into it. And... You know, in a week, you can come back and actually know all the knots. Maybe we could probably, like, because, again, when I was doing the knots thing, when we did we just had a rope strewn across the hall, and there was, again, like, 20 of us on two sides. Yeah, like we have, we have small pieces of rope people can take home. Yeah, I don't, no, I, know, I don't know. I don't regardless know. of the rope situation. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. Like, like, like we have rope for everyone. But, like, what Carrie's saying. Um, yeah, we should just I remember I used to right take out. a rope with me yeah. when I first started and would tie it at work. Because mm -hmm. I was doing a boring job at the time, and it's like I tie this rope, you tie a rope. But um, was everybody doing that? <laughs> and well, and in a volunteer department, can you force everybody to do that? No, because it's not the fire academy. No, but that's why you do yeah. other uh, new recruits. Yeah. You need to you need to be able to pass this rope test. No, 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 no. <laughs> no yeah, but so that's why that's where we get back to my first point was you pass the rope test. And then what do we do? Yeah, how then, often do you now use that? Then do we? doing a whole like then do we have to always refresh those bunch of knots or do we need to drill three knots and yeah we do need to drill our three knots more because like, i really think we use three or four knots so That's maybe we, we, really we drill the three or four knots and then on our scenario nights, we try to do. yeah we yeah. just start throwing in right. i use my knots quite a lot like if i'm tying up canoes and yeah. my hammock like i actually <laughs> use <Okay. knots> all <laughs> the time. i have a knot uh app <laughs> 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 but Again, I, I tie my shoes back. daily. Yeah. <laughs> I always fall back to when, like you just said, yeah. are you going to remember your canoe knot? I don't think it's actually a knot. <laughs> no, like when I'm tired. Is it a knot or not? It's not a knot. <laughs> so that, and, no and like Carl was saying, or who was saying, something about we only have a limited amount of time. Ash? Yeah, Ash. Mm -hmm. um, and there was a course I was on. It was a training officer course, actually. And they wrote out all the, how many training days you think you have. Yeah. Because yeah, how many training days you guys got? We're like, well, 365. <laughs> well, you don't have 365. Because um, every department probably has a meeting on one of those nights. Or a truck check night. Or something that wastes... I don't want to say, I shouldn't say waste. Something that uses time, training, hands-on training time. So now you're down to three days a month. And a holiday's going to come in there at some point. Christmas is going to roll around. 
So you're going to miss some training. Or maybe training slows down for that um, time. Maybe it's not as hands-on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or now you're doing a scenario night. Or you're sick. So it ends up being like... And then we have to balance like, okay, how often do we get calls where we need to use knots? I'm, I'm just going to keep talking about knots. <laughs> because that's a good thing to talk about. Because um, I could talk about throwing a, throwing a tarp. Because that was one of the things that... You're supposed oh, to actually yeah. learn how to properly throw that a tarp. Was a solid week, though. Like a solid week on how to throw a tarp. That's insane. Maybe not a week, but I don't know. Still, it was. Like anything over five minutes on throwing a tarp. And there, like, there's a thing I was supposed to teach that. Night I was, to, I was supposed to teach that in my course so how to throw tarp. a tarp. I'm like, what? What? If you're throw a tarp, then I don't think you should be anywhere near any kind of fire. And there's a very specific way to throw a tarp. A balloon toss. Yeah. There's a. There is a very specific way yeah. you're supposed to throw a tarp. <laughs> and I'm thinking, like, why are we doing this? Um, like, I get it. I get that you have to, like, overhaul is important. Absolutely. securing people's stuff is important. Yeah, yeah. 100%. But I could also take a couple extra seconds to unroll a tarp the wrong way. And it's still unrolled. And I'm not spending a night of precious training time that I think is precious on throwing in a tarp. Yeah. <laughs> And the same thing, you know, back to knots again. <laughs> the same thing is the knots. Like, we're using a knot on a water rescue call, which we get maybe one every two years, maybe one a year. Let's see, be generous and say one a year. Or we use it on an over embankment call, or a low angle call. Maybe again, one or two nights a year, one or two calls a year out of 200 calls. Or what else would we use knots on? Ladders. Yeah. Ladder knot. Does, does it have to be a clove hitch? Is it going to be the end of the world if a guy ties us to a good old granny knot? <laughs> like there was old saying, if you don't know knots, tie lots. <laughs> it's <laughs> shit, and it looks like crap, and it's definitely harder to undo, and it could slow you down if you have to move the ladder or something. But do you spend all that extra time, or do you have to balance the, should we spend more time on the end of a nozzle, learning how to attack a fire? Or should we spend more time in a burn building, seeing how fire actually reacts to different um, things and seeing how our gear is and getting that stress inoculation of the fire and doing scenarios because scenarios are important mm-hmm. scenarios since we've started scenarios i was actually going to ask you about it kelsey like because when we when i first joined scenarios were something that we were just starting to get into mm-hmm. and um you've now been on a bunch right like you've been on a few of them now like how how is it for you because being a completely new guy coming in how have you settled in with the scenario stuff? Has the scenario stuff helped you when we've got to a real scene? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And going to the scene is the same thing again. You go back and you, you think, well, that's what I did wrong. <clears throat> I should have done that there. And you go back to training and, and you can, because it is hands-on and you're not looking at a book or listening to someone tell you how to do it. For me, at least, there's nothing like going hands-on. Even yeah. like rolling a hose. Yeah. Different ways of wrapping holes. You can have somebody tell you how to do it a hundred times, but till you actually do it, it doesn't make sense. I learn very much the same way. I I, I hate all that kind of stuff. Unless I get my hands on something, yeah. it just makes way more sense. Do it me. once or twice, make some mistakes, and hopefully not major ones. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's better to make a mistake on the on, on the, the training ground, yeah, exactly, right? Yeah. Like absolutely, way way safer to do that. You can make a mistake rolling a hose on scene too. That's all right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> on scene, yeah. well, probably on scene, yeah, because you can mop up. Yeah. <laughs> you you got to know you made the mistake, otherwise it's now it's on the truck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you're like, yeah. what the hell is happening? Yeah, no, exactly. It just makes it makes cleanup easier. Like, yeah, you were gonna say something. Again, back to podcast number three of Jocko. <laughs> 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 he was talking about those scenarios, and yeah. 
and I always big, was big on scenario training, but, and we try to make the scenarios the friggin' hardest, most ridiculous scenarios that you're going to see. Like, well, you did what, the one rolling down the bank that Rob's yeah. ma- mastermind came up with? Yeah. We had a, you know, car roll down the bank, land on its wheels at the base of a, near a road. So when the truck drove up, it thought they were just going to a car accident. Meanwhile, it, the car actually started on top of the hill and rolled down and injected a patient. Now, is that going to happen? Probably not, but worst case scenario, we well, it might. Yeah. Um, but we had that one up on up on the the back road there where. Yeah, ejection. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, we could tell like how it like yeah would it would it, would it possibly roll down a hill and land on its wheels near the side of a road? Right. Probably not. It would probably we'd probably be able to tell it rolled down a hill. Yeah. And where it was right. Um, but we throw all these tricks at people, and a lot of times you know we're doing. I know we're doing burn building scenarios. We're going in. And, you know, you're searching and you find a person and you find another person and then, oh, yeah, go put it out. And now all of a sudden someone has a, a, heart, a heart attack and they fall on the ground and now it's a writ scenario. And it's and always the biggest person. Yeah. And it's yeah. The biggest, well, <laughs> <laughs> their poor eating the habits. Smallest <laughs> <laughs> the, the smallest person usually has better heart. <laughs> but it's always, yeah, we always make it the hardest because it should be on the training ground. Yeah. It should be the hardest you're going to have. The hardest day should be on the training ground, not... When you go when you go to a fire, I want guys to be like, "Damn it, I wanted to use all these skills I have, but I only use like two of them, yeah. not twenty of them that yeah, I learned." Well, even <clears throat> I remember one of the one of the things just installing that that piece of wire from like that pole just outside the oh, burn building. Was like, was, I was just thinking of that. Really, yeah. and it's like there's a power line, yeah. and it, it wasn't until like someone had mentioned it that a lot of people noticed it. Yet when we get on scene, it's the first thing, the first thing that you're trying to look for when you when you pull up. You know, like, am I, am I going to start spraying from a distance? Do I, can I get the lob on this? Or can I get in close? No, there's a power line in the way. driving in from the training grounds. You can see it hanging right down there. Exactly, yeah. exactly. But that was because it, we thought of that. Like, it was it something that was, yeah. yeah, and it was just yeah. thrown in. And it's those little things now that in your mind you go, oh, yeah, power lines. You know, like, you, you just, you think, well, shit, I should probably be looking for that. Like, and now we know, and it's ingrained in you, and that one little rope between a pole and a post is now ingrained. It's those small little things, I think. Those it's little... a rope, it's actually a line. We actually have a power line. Oh, there you go. It's actually an old power line. Well, and two, once you've, see, once you've trained that, that's okay, that's a power line. Mm. If you're the truck driver, you're being observant to that now, too, when you're pulling up onto a scene. Mm-hmm. You're parking on the side of the road at a car accident. You're like, okay, which side of the road am I on? Which ones are my power lines? Which are my phone lines? Am I parking my truck in a safe spot? Um, you know, this is one of those things that now you're thinking of that. Yeah. But that's, that's part of the way we're training here is uh, it's more free thinking like we talked about. Whereas if you go all by all by uh, the book, all by this is how you do it, this is how you safely drive the truck, you put the park brake, it's all good stuff. But he's teaching you to think for everybody to think for themselves, like he said. We're looking for that power line. We're looking for whatever it is without even knowing it. As yeah. we pull up and we're doing all these things. Yeah, that's true. Everyone, everyone should be doing that for sure. Instead of thinking, what if I do this wrong? What if I do this wrong? You know, how did it? How was I taught to do this? Yeah, I think with especially with when we're first putting up on scene, you know, we're all we know that the driver's concentrating on the best place to park. Normally, we've got someone on scene, or at least a lot of the time, we've got someone already there who's then directing the person to the best place they feel they need to be. And they're they're doing that portion of it for you, right? But we're all if you're in the back, you've got your gear on, 
you're looking at the situation on the way in and what we do on our trucks most of the time is depending on who's in the front seat kind of throwing the order back is okay this is what i want to see i want to see two lines you figure out who's doing what and the back guys end up having that conversation mm -hmm. us guys the three people in the back have that chat hey this is what i'm going to do hey you hit the hydrant great i'm going to grab the side and you grab a donut roll or grab the cleveland off of the top everybody you need a cleveland roll look it up get a cleveland roll um <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, city of Cleveland gets money every time we say that. We use it on everything now. Everything, it's so useful. Um, but yeah, like we've all got, we've all got that thought process. But we're all still trying to think of everything that's outside. Because as soon as you get outside and you're dealing with it, you're all dealing with it. Like, and if one person misses it, and somebody else catches it, and it goes back to communication, doesn't say anything then we've got a problem for everyone because now we have to stop doing what we're doing and solve the issue that may have occurred due to the fact someone didn't open their mouth. Well, that's a podcast or something else for the communication stuff for sure. But um, So back to back to the training, just on, yeah. on a little bit of what we got. Uh, Rob, I want to I come to you. So initially you had said, like, you know, and Scott was saying there used to be a lot of ladder practices and, and pump and, practices. And again, I'm just going to, the training officer at the time, I think he was a transitional officer. Right. So maybe I was not getting the full the full uh, effect because he was I think it was just a guy that was just happened to be in there for a few months when I first started right so um, to be fair we were I don't know if we were all just <laughs> ladders and pumps but that's what I saw when I started <laughs> was a lot of ladders that's and how pumps, it felt and that's what it felt and I'll say I'm pretty proficient at the pump <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not very proficient at all <laughs> <laughs> <My> choice <laughs> yeah well, I think, again, that's like the, the wonders of the volunteer fire department. Right? We've always got people. We're, we're not set jobs, just so everyone knows. I don't know how a lot of other uh, departments work, but ours doesn't work in the way of you're the guy and you're going to constantly train this one thing and you're going to do this thing and that's your job. You're not just the truck guy. You're not just no. the driver. We've got people that prefer yeah. to do that and people that or, are or better get, at it. Or get told to do it. Or get told to do it. Because they're really good at it. Yeah. <laughs> and there are departments out there that train that way. This guy's the driver, that guy's the driver. Yeah. Or that guy's the pump operator, that guy's the nozzleman. And yeah. you're stuck, especially if you're a volunteer department, if you train one guy on one thing oh, yeah. and nobody shows up that can drive the truck. You're screwed. Man, you, you're completely screwed. It's the worst thing. And that's where that that sharing the knowledge is so important because everybody needs to know how to do everything. They don't all need to know how to do it 100% to the best of their ability. Everyone's got different skills. Like, again, we go back to I can't, mechanical just doesn't work for me. But if you get me a nozzle, I'm more than happy to go in the front door. You know, I'm more than happy to go in and, and do an interior attack or whatever needs to be done on the ground there. But get me on a truck and I just, I fold, man. It's just not my, not my safe space. Carrie? Well, the beauty, beauty of this apartment though, like, so that fire a few uh, months ago and I ended up on um, pumping. Which you did great at, by the way. Oh, yeah, yeah, you, did. <laughs> you did. You did fine. But you were panicking, is, but you did fine. Yeah, there was, I was panicking at a moment, but the beauty of someone who being trained yeah. on it, it was like the person I needed as like right when I needed them, everything was good to go, but it, when we were drafting from the tank, we had the wrong, um, no, why don't I what it's called? The floater valve. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Over the bottom. Yeah. And so the right person showed the up and I was trainer? like, yes. No, we had oh, a dog oh, trainer, oh, but we wanted uh, oh, one from the bottom. Okay. And uh, the bottom section. Anyways, 
And the right person showed up right at the right time. And I was like, hop on board. <laughs> so it was like, it's beautiful because so many people in the department know so many things that I was able to get the ball rolling while we were getting the fire knocked down. Um, and there were so many other people around on scene that they were able to step away from what they were doing, help me out for that moment, and then go on, carry on. Yeah. And like I learned, they were able to keep the ball rolling. It was perfect. I had one of the so. same similar situations when one of the first or second times pump operating the truck at a early morning, late night structure fire. And we've got a portable bladder out and hoses running, three hoses running out. And I got to get water out to all these guys and nothing's happening or very little is happening. And of course the next guy that comes strolling by is Spencer. Well, Spencer knows pump. Spencer. Yeah. Spencer grabs, grabs Spencer. When in doubt, grab Spencer. Every department should have a Spencer. Um, and grab him and say, okay, this is what's going on. This is what's happening. Just Help. keep the guy yeah. focused. And once we got it figured out, he took off, did his thing, and I was golden on the pump from there. But, uh, yeah, you're right. If anybody... The next person that walks by, you can grab them and they'll know how to do it yeah. and to help you get it solved and they can go back to what they're doing. Yeah. You know, it might only take three minutes, a couple minutes. If they're not doing something majorly important, you can grab them away from that, quickly get what you need solved. And yeah. Unfortunately, we have a lot of people who are like Spencer, like Dennis is the same kind of person mm-hmm. who can do that. That you Richard, you Richard too, whatever's going on, you can be, get them on there. Yeah. It's true. It's true. Because really. they are. They, yeah. Yeah. They're mechanically yeah. minded. Yeah. They, yeah. Get, whatever's going on, like I know I can grab him for that particular job. And there's so many people like that on the department. Um, so We're very lucky in that. And we were talking about that last week. We were very lucky with the amount of people that we, we have that are all doing different jobs. You know, Everyone's got different careers, which add to what we do as a department. And it brings skills to the fire ground that you may not necessarily have. right? Like if we were all just whatever we joined the department young and we just all we did was fire forever we'd know how to work these things but again depending on the departments you're with maybe you just had maybe you were the truck driver maybe you got on the truck every time but we can't do that here like if we get a call at two in the afternoon there's a set few guys that are probably going to show up unless they're sick or on vacation um because a lot of our guys work out of town and then depending on how difficult or how challenging that fire is they will monitor traffic on the pages and stuff figure it out is it going to get worse is it is it getting worse do we need more people then they they show up so we may pull into the hall and five guys are there well two of them two of them are good at driving the truck or one of them is good at driving the truck one of them is going to be officer you know like we need to we figure that out when we get there but there's always that crossover we always have somebody that can do everything at least so far we've been lucky enough that that works and it seems to be the case Yeah, I don't think board. it's luck, though, even. I think it's because yeah. of the way that we're training now, and mm-hmm. it, everyone's expected to know the different roles. And even if you're not strong in that role, you know it enough to be able to get the ball rolling, and someone else knows it more. Yeah, let's go. If you need help. Yeah, I don't know um, if it's the training. I think it's just the fact that we're volunteers, like you were saying. Yeah, um, maybe. Because the, the training, obviously the training helps a lot with uh, attacks and stuff. But having those different skill sets that people just bring to the table from their careers, like you're saying, is really what uh, what makes volunteers different than uh, than the full time guys, I think. Because full time guys, like literally, they'll have a heavy rescue specialist. And that's his that's his career is how to rescue people. 
from this type of thing, or you know, trench rescue like specialists. They're very very good at what they do, but they're not. If you took them from their little from their environment, from their urban environment, because it's probably gonna be an urban environment if they're full time guys, mm-hmm. and drop them into a volunteer hall somewhere anywhere in the anywhere in any of our countries. Yeah. Um, they're gonna be like, what? I have to do this now and that and this and this and this and this and this. You gotta be, and that again. I'm gonna come back to that. It's that special forces thing. Like where you are, we are not masters of anything, but we know how to have to know how to do everything. Mm-hmm. Jack of all, yeah, master jack of all trades, master yeah. of none. Yeah, yeah, and again, we've got people that are more willing to do certain tasks than than others, but it still all lends to itself quite easily, yeah. quite easily and quite well. Yeah, nice, nice. With, I mean, with our training too, and one of the thoughts I had coming over here tonight too is knowing that Kelsey was going to be here too. The way that I, when I initially started too, you get a little bit of training and it's like, okay, here's your turnout gear. Here's how to put on a CBA and you learn whatever you do on a practice night. But you're told, come to the hall at a call, wait to get on a truck. And that's, you know, how it had been for a a while. But with the way that we've got training now and with the amount of training that our new guys are getting, right off the go that you get an afternoon call where you have a couple of guys in the black helmet that you can throw them right on the truck right away they know Mm -hmm. that at least a little bit that if you need to you can grab them put them on the first truck out to whatever you might be going to where you know you were told to wait for maybe a second truck or maybe even a third truck you weren't Mm -hmm. getting that experience um in the old day compared to what you are in the yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. I know one thing I was told when I started, and I don't know if you told the same thing, um, by one of the older members, <laughs> he said, you are fucking useless to us for two years. For That's two like, years? Two years? I was like, two years? Two years? Oh, wow. <laughs> I never <laughs> heard that. Well, he was talking about me. I don't know. Yeah, just, <laughs> but he, said, you, he, so. he said, basically, you're useless to us for two years. Um, after two years, then, we'll, then you'll be... Uh, You'll be good. You'll be good to go. And I think what he meant was you're not going to be running trucks and you're not going to be... But it came across as, I'm a freaking nobody. <laughs> um, and it was kind of the case because you never knew what you're going to get. Like, you could go practice constantly and if you missed a practice, you wouldn't know what you are going to get. There was no real, um, okay, the rookies are going to learn all this stuff. Because now I can go, I think I, I update you guys when we have the new guys show up. I update you guys every meeting night. I'm like, okay, this is this month. These guys learn this, so they should be able to do all this now. Um, so that way, at least if somebody gets on the truck, Kelsey, he should know how to hit a high ground. Yeah. The new guys actually have gotten some really good training this last six months. Like, yeah, they started in February. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Yeah, you guys so. have gotten some great calls. I've actually been amazed by that being on for six months now. That what what I've got to do on calls even mm-hmm. and right. I feel confident doing it that's mm-hmm. that's good that was yeah. gonna say because that's I was just about to ask you well then you got to cut a car the other day that's exactly yeah. right I had no idea Spencer went showed me how to run the tools and then uh, and I went out to that call and I knew what I was doing yeah somewhat well yeah I mean I knew like I could see it was a simple door there's enough guys door around pop, door, door, door pop yeah. and chop and I was like hey Kelsey just learned this the other day Great. come on over <laughs> let's chop this door off <laughs> yeah that's it's that's, it's good. 
It is good that you, you're doing that. Because oh, I was going to ask you, like, are you thinking the training's going, like, whether or not it's going well or not? If you're work, if you're walking away with the skills and you turn up on scene and you're doing the things that you're learning, then obviously you're remembering it, right? So mm -hmm. it's sticking around, so it's working. So I think I think I'm gonna I'm just gonna fold over into into kind of a, a thing here. So so if you're gonna talk to if you're gonna talk to a training officer and the guy's just about to become a training officer, or there is a training officer and he's wondering about well what can I do? What changes can I implement? Maybe he's picked up some things now, he or she has picked up some things now where maybe they're gonna start breaking things apart or whatever. What main tip would you, Ash, start with? give to a training officer either in or out, like either just about to go in for the role in a volunteer department or somebody who's already on to give them a little bit more of a helping hand <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, i don't want to say it's loaded it's it's tough to say um i i think the biggest thing would be surround yourself with some with some people that um, are maybe like like minded. Um, I know the difference from when I started till now. I think our and, and correct me if I'm wrong. I, I think our training department now is larger than oh, yeah. it used to be. Right? It used to be one guy. Yeah, yeah. one guy. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so now we have five five of us, and you're trying to incorporate all the officers, or you're, you're hoping that you can incorporate them. Uh, I think that's key. Surround yourself with some some uh, forward thinking individuals. Um, because being able to do it alone is is pretty difficult, but when when you have that assistance around you, um, that you can bounce back ideas, um, you know, kind of quickly going back to something. When if Scott comes up with a new tactic that we're you know trying to implement, it's not just one person that's like, all right, we're going to do this, and then it's in a scenario. No, like we'll discuss it as a group, and we'll do uh, potentially go down and run. You know, run a scenario as the group first. We we try things out. So it's try try a, a group effort rather than an individual. I think you get a lot better results. So you're you're saying just expand your group, bring yeah. more people in, and and share the share the knowledge. Share the knowledge. Off some walls. Yeah, and it comes back to sharing that knowledge. Do it. You know, share the training knowledge as well as as all the the skills that you're uh, trying trying to teach. Okay. Listen to Jocko Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> number three. Number three particularly. <laughs> the rest are pretty good. <laughs> but number three. Yeah. That's your homework for the week, guys. Yeah. Um, I wish all of our guys listened to it. But further to that, it's, yeah, definitely follow, look into the decentralized command stuff. Yeah. Um, look into the open-mindedness. Get away from the manual. Close the manual. Every once in a while, push it aside. And just, like Ash was saying, train um, go with a group of people. Don't go with the entire department because that is far too many people to have opinions. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. you're gonna get ridiculous. Like you're gonna get so many people trying to put their two cents in. Um, that's why we made a training section. Got four or five people. I bring. I well, and I encourage these guys. I don't know if you guys know that. <laughs> I'm gonna encourage you to bring stuff. And, and a lot of times, what I do is I, I'll I'll see how a call went. Like I think you know, recently we had that. Uh, grass fire where we lost a couple links of hopes. Yep. And that call bugged me because I was that guy up and I was the I was the officer. Well, I guess I was. I was in charge of that little section when that hose got burnt. And I was, is there a better way to do this? So, <laughs> well, 
I think. Well, I think, uh, no, and I'll take ownership. You know, again, you can, you can uh, take ownership. And, and I and I actually told Matt I will take ownership in that because it was me not <laughs> directing him enough and him doing things that he tried to do and yeah. some hoses lost and some, uh, yeah. some poor decisions were made <laughs> and some poor tactics. <laughs> but uh, at the same time, I'm like, there must be a better way to do this deployment. And so I started looking and researching, taking some stuff we use right now and developing a, a system that is better for the hose deployment in a forestry situation. And now we have it on the truck, and literally, like, um, two weeks after we put it on the truck, we used it, and it went really well. It went great. Um, so that's what I always do. I always analyze our calls. And even when I'm not here, I know guys think, oh, you must you must be pissed off because you missed a cool fire. I'm like, ah, I'm more pissed off when I hear guys do stupid things on a call. <laughs> like, when things we trained didn't happen, you know, and then... Guys are like, oh, well, I wonder why it didn't work out that well. Well, because you didn't do what we trained. Yeah. Um, or, which is, again, you don't have to follow exactly how we train, but um, if it blatantly totally off page or blatantly um, you're reverting back to an older method, which maybe it was didn't work at the time, and you're still using that method, um, that's when I'm like, ah, how can we train this better? So uh, that's what I'm more concerned about on when I ask guys about calls. Because you know, I've been doing enough fires now you know, you know, for 11 years. So, what, at least 60, 70 structure fires, which isn't a lot for a big full-time department, but that's a fair amount of, fire, that's a fair amount of houses to burn down. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, grass fires and all, and car accidents and stuff. So, um, I've seen enough that I don't need to go to every one of them, but I liked and hear how it worked out for other people. So, you're saying uh, that one of your biggest points that I, that I heard was evaluate, reevaluate, regardless of whether you're on scene or not just pick the points of which happened, get some accounts and recounts from people that were there and figure out what went well and what went wrong. So just so you can really kind of refine what you need to maybe retouch, revisit, or or just refine. Yo, and talk to people. Because like Carrie tonight mentioned the ropes. Yep. Um, yeah, now we have to train some ropes. <laughs> Ten nuts. I'm not here in August, so you guys have to train some ropes. <laughs> uh, so, so remember, remember that was Carrie Ann. Yeah. <laughs> What about you? What would you say um, to someone new? Well, I would, I would actually go along with, with both what you guys were saying with um, having a group. I think that's been very impactful for, for me, um, just because I'm one of the uh, like newer ones that they're just kind of bringing <coughs> into help trading. And so from my perspective, I've gone from being trained to figuring out how to train someone, which is a completely different perspective. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's really like forced growth on me. So I'm hoping it's going to make me a better firefighter. Um, and uh, and it's changing my thinking. So so instead of like me continuing to be in a situation where one person is doing all the training and I'm just listening to them, um, it's yeah for, forcing that growth. So so that growth is pushed out further. So instead of it being one person getting the benefit of that, there's now five people getting the benefit of that. And maybe if this continues, it'll get it'll get larger. The group will get larger so that people become more proficient. So I, that, I like this new change. This is a very recent change that's uh-huh. been implicate, implemented, and it's been <laughs> implemented, and I, I really like it. Yeah. So yeah. that's one thing that I've noticed. Ashko, you want to say something on that? Yeah, I just quickly about something that Carrie was saying the moment that you go from being a firefighter that's learning training to a firefighter that is now training firefighters I I always come back to the the saying like those who don't know teach 
right? I, I've heard of that. Yeah. <laughs> those you can't do. Teach. Those you can't do. But get it right. Well, <laughs> I don't teach pumping. Right? Yeah, no, 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 sure. But you know, you you can switch it to you know, it's the, the, those that can't do teach, those that don't know, and not that we don't know, but. I have learned more and been able to visualize so much more since doing this, and I, this is what you kind of ended with there. Yeah, yeah, like you, you learn so much more, and you're. I feel the confidence level is way, way higher um, after the you know the switch to this this role. So, um, if you want to really learn something. Put yourself in a position to teach somebody. Even giving ownership into yeah. a, a small portion, like mm -hmm. giving ownership to Kelsey to teach everyone knots, for example, right, yeah. would really <laughs> force him to really know knots. Mm -hmm. So, like, I don't know, it, delegation it works yeah. well. Extremely about it. I, uh, actually, I heard something on a podcast where they said if you want to, if you want to learn something, you want to learn it really well. Learn it, but then learn it so you were teaching it to a child. Like, if you can teach it to a child, or very basic, if you can do that, you can then, you, you learn it way quicker, for one, because you're learning how to teach it as opposed to learning how to learn it. Yeah. And then after you've learned how to teach it, if you can teach it to a kid and they can kind of give it back to you, you can then just advance upon that to, you know, teach it to a teenager. Scott? Um, further what you're saying, you, you have to know something 100% to teach it, well, 99% to teach it and I know when I am bringing up something new like a new topic or a new training method um, I'll look like a crazy person because I'll be driving in my car talking to myself going over what I'm going to say and thinking of questions that, or comments questions that guys will come up with so I have an answer of why because I know damn well someone's going to be like well we're doing this way What's wrong with the old way? <laughs> so I, I'll, I'll have an answer for that. You can tell when you had a busy week, though, because you're just My like, this is what we're doing. <laughs> 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 Didn't have yeah. that conversation. Well, since I'm not driving as far, I don't talk to myself as much. <laughs> but you immerse yourself in it before you teach. Yes. Because you, you need to be prepared for everything, because we have a bunch of children. Yeah, this department, and they're going to say every department. I'm sure yeah, everybody you got those guys, does. right? You got those guys. That's there. clearly not a bedroom window because it's eight inches too fucking low. No, it's a sea can with a fucking window in it. I'm telling you, it's a bedroom window. Like, you know Construction. What I mean? You got these assholes that are going to argue with me. That's not a bedroom window. You know, like these are the kind of people that you deal with, right? They'll so, test you. Yeah, yeah, they're going to yeah. test you. So you you have to have, and I mean that's. Not about training, but no, it's just the kind of people, right? It's uh, yeah. well, you, have, yeah. you have to immerse yeah. yourself in it yeah. and really know it because people are going to be throwing these random facts at you. Absolutely, Rob. Um, yeah, definitely the the training group. Get yourself a training group. I'm happy to be a part of it and like Carrie, you know, having to get used to the role of teaching because that's not something that I normally do. So. Um, you know, teaching myself and teaching others. So um, that's that's new to me. Um, but I think keep thing in, things interesting. Like with the training scenarios that we do is uh, just keep things interesting. Keep people wanting more um, because we do some fantastic scenarios that you get. You know, if we do a, a MVI where we have three vehicles and we have people that we brought in from the high school like we've done to 
portray patients and the guys responding to the training grounds are oh we're doing another auto x course and then they show up on scene i was like well shoot there's somebody in there or there's another person in there now now they're you know they're the blood's pumping a little bit their thought processes is firing a little bit and so you know doing stuff like that really helps to um not only get people to learn things but also get them to make mistakes so that we can learn from them too yeah that's fine scott and i think one thing the scenarios do um what i try to tailor make them to is like we do a bunch of um, skills the last few months, say we concentrate on succession plan. Yeah, a bunch of skills through the last few months, and then that scenario is going to have a bunch of those skills we just did shoved in that scenario. So it's kind of reinforces all the stuff they learned, and that's how I when I think of what scenario we can do, it's like okay, what have we been training a lot in the last few months? Obviously, these last few months we've been training a lot of um, towers and stuff, and um, I don't know if we can find a uh, apartment building to burn down. But uh, there's a few, you know, there's a few things we can do where we can definitely throw some of those things in that we've learned over the last few months into a big scenario. And now guys are have to pull that out of their, um, their training bag of tricks that they've learned and it reinforces it. And there was always something I learned was you teach it and then the guys do it in a scenario and then, but it's not actually yours until you have a positive field experience. So until you actually do the thing in real life, you're never going to know for sure if it works. But we can make it as close to real life as possible. Because, um, you know, you're not always, you know, you're not always going to get to go bend or isolate search. I was just about to bring that one up, yeah. actually, yeah. Like, as soon as we, we were training it, and then... We were training it for a long time. Like, yeah. training, 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 training. I know Carrie got mad because she wasn't there that day. Yeah. And, then, and I saw the picture of Scott going. And then when the VIS, <laughs> you know, that is rear end, and I was like, ah, <laughs> that could have been me. And when it popped up, and it was like, oh, okay, and we just did it. And it yep. was like, yeah, and I did it once, and now I know, hundred percent it works. Yep. And now it's reinforced to me. Yep. And hopefully, it gets reinforced to other people by people doing it, because obviously, we're not all going to get to do it. It absolutely <laughs> did, and I, I think um, there was almost one mistake that was made there that was cool, but because that mistake was cool. I don't think anybody, and Rob, you, you caught that mistake. I don't think anybody now who's heard that that scene, heard what happened on that scene, will ever do that now. Because it's not just, well, you know, we, we shouldn't because we were trained not to or whatever. It was a serious situation that could have went the other way if it wasn't for the fact. And again, this goes back to make sure the people that are running instances are training with you. It's very, very important because the situation could have it's been a lot worse. I think. It's a good story to learn. From. Okay. Well, Scott, did you want to? Well, part of EIS, one of the rules. So, vent end or isolate search. It's a kind of a, I don't want to say it's a. It's kind of a newer method of searching. I mean, it's been around for a lot, quite a while, but departments are finally picking it up. It's actually in fire manuals now, which wasn't before. Um, it definitely wasn't uh, looked at very fondly for a long time, because it's basically you're going into a into a target. You're targeting a search. We can talk about this when ta in a tactics uh, podcast, yeah, yeah, yeah. but you're, you're you're doing a more of a targeted search of one room with no hose line, and people are getting a little nervous about it. Um, but one of the main rules is you do not put a fan on, and you do not vent the the, the building while their guys are inside doing that search because you don't know you just don't know where you're pushing that that um, heat and that smoke and hot gases and stuff too. So um, what someone had to call for a fan because. Um, 
you know, and it was smoky and they wanted to vent and they thought, oh, we're, we're, we're venting, we're, we're venting and we're searching. So we'll do it this way. Well, it's, it's not the right way. And uh, I know Rob caught it because, you know, Rob saw the guy starting up the fan and he's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Guys are inside doing a search. Turn the fan off. It's not how we train it. They turned the fan off, and, he, and you know I was in there. I'm glad he saw that, yeah, because <laughs> it could have went <laughs> south yeah. on me. Um, so it's important, and that and that's another thing that's important to speak up. I think we were talking about, you know, absolutely. And that comes back to that decentralized command, because if if it's again, if you're in the old days of uh, of centralized command, where whatever the the chief said goes, I don't care what you guys are, where whatever I tell you, you're gonna do, <laughs> whatever the officer tells you, you go do. I tell guys all the time, speak up and tell them, no, we're not doing that. Yeah. It's dangerous. That's not right. That's, you know, speak mm-hmm. up because it's your life. And, you know, maybe they miss something or maybe they just don't know. Maybe they miss that night of practice. Maybe they miss 10 nights of practice. Because <laughs> it's, again, volunteer department. Guys are working. And mm-hmm. I get it. They can't all come to all the practices. Yeah. Better to have somebody say no. Yeah. That they don't know how to do it mm-hmm. than try and fumble and try and do it. Yeah. yeah, it put it puts other people yeah. at risk is the the biggest thing. Right? Like we have we have an extremely dangerous, I want to say job, but it's never a it's never felt like a job, right? Like it's we have we have a extreme hobby <laughs> as volunteer <laughs> firefighters. We have an extreme hobby, um, but you're right. It, it situations like that need to be monitored, which again comes back to like you said, decentralized command and making sure that everybody's paying attention and everyone knows the training. You, know, you don't need to know it inside and out, but those key points, that now, I'm mm. sure that knowing that if someone is in the building doing that, which was announced, you announced it to everybody and it was very clear when you went in, we know we ain't going to be popping that fan on, right? Like if we can save it by the door, we can keep it ready. But So I've heard from Maine in the training team for just this final piece, but I do want to get over to you, Kelsey, with this. Now, obviously being new, I can't ask you if, um, if you've gone into, like obviously because you, you can't, give that kind of advice but what i would like to ask is if uh if you're now talking to if you're now talking to a trainer mm-hmm. what would you say the biggest out of all the different things that you've done what would you say the biggest benefit of not necessarily even the benefit that the the way that you've been taught what have you valued the most that has stuck with you the most that's helped you <coughs> the not most training. not training no, I haven't <laughs> 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 not training is not I don't know if I, if I know it's stuck with me. What, like one of the biggest, uh, no pressure. The nicest thing that I like about the way we train is the small group thing. If you get two new recruits in a department and you're training with 20 guys, half of them have 20 years or close to experience, the chances of me stepping forward to practice something. Is minimal because there's a lot of pressure there. There's, you don't know who these guys are. But having a smaller group, being able to talk and ask questions to your trainer, your officer, your the firefighter beside you, and you learn quick who not to ask. <laughs> who's going to give you the bullshit answer, right? And, uh, and watch you fall on your ass. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, what's stuck with me? Lots of stuff. Lots of stuff. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a tough question to say. I really like I really like the fact that you brought up the small groups because for me, like, that's one of my favorite things. Mm-hmm. Like, it is my it's probably my favorite new thing actually. Like, I know if we've got that now, I can ask questions that I need to ask because 
I like to ask questions because I like to know why I'm doing it. Like, it's not just go do this and it comes back to that. I, you need to know. You need to know why. Like, don't just do it. Yeah. Figure out why you're doing it. If you don't know why you're doing, it, why you're doing it, you need to figure out why you're doing it. Because if you don't know, you may go and try and do that and realize that maybe that is not going to work in this situation because you didn't know podcast why you should. Three. Podcast number three. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't, if you, no, you know. Podcast number three has to be big. It's, it's like two hours long. It is two yeah, hours It's great. You should listen to it. It's like an hour and 47 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> great, great car with Sorry. But you're right. You're right. That would be <laughs> that would be one of mine too, for sure. And that training group helps with that because when I was a sole training officer, breaking people up into three groups wasn't doable so much. Because you know, I'd been trained. I'd you know try to break them up. What I was teaching them would be exactly what I want to teach them. But the, I don't know what was going on in the other sessions because there's guys teaching whatever they were teaching because yeah. they're just random officers, you know, and, and you know they weren't necessarily following what we were supposed to be doing, and people just kind of went off. So since we actually have now trainers, like we said, we can go over it. We can talk about what we're going to do. We have a monthly meeting where we talk about what we're doing for the next couple months. Everybody kind of knows their role, and then they can study it over the next month or two. So then they know what to teach. So I know sort of what's going on. Like, I'm feel better about like letting small groups go off because I'm like yeah yeah I know they're getting taught right they're not just not just sitting on the, on the tailboard, tailboard or smoking or chatting right one time, okay, one time <laughs> in the one burn time. building <laughs> then all hell broke loose <laughs> well okay well thank you very much for joining me tonight Ash Scott carry on Mr. Rob <laughs> finally for showing up and uh, Kelsey thank you all very much for showing up this evening and uh, thanks again Talk Podcast <laughs> <laughs>